Welcome to the Amara Podcast. My name is Carrie Hansen. March is National Social Worker Appreciation Month, so we wanted to take the opportunity to highlight some of the amazing work the social workers here at Amara do each and every day. At Amara, we call our social workers foster care specialists. They each have a rich educational background, either in social work, education, family therapy, or counseling. To start off today, we sat down with a few of our foster care specialists to talk about what led them to this work, what keeps them going, and why they enjoy working at Amara. Then, I'm going to share a little about my own experience with my foster care specialist. While I do work at Amara as the Family Outreach Coordinator, I'm also an Amara alumni. My husband and I were foster parents for five years with Amara, and our foster care specialist was amazing, and I'm really excited to get to share my experience with all of you. So let's get started by hearing from Ryan, Kristen, and Jennifer. I'm Ryan. I'm a foster care specialist here, and I'm a social worker. I'm Kristen Wilson, and I'm also a foster care specialist. Jennifer Wheeler, I am a foster care specialist, social worker here at Amara. I've always kind of wanted to be a a social worker, I think. I just didn't really know what a social worker was. Um, I actually went to school for engineering at first and had to take an elective class, and it was a social work intro class. And that's kind of when I realized, wait a minute, there's a an entire profession dedicated to helping people in your community or on a larger scale and doing problem solving related to kind of like some of life's big questions. And that's when I realized everything I loved about engineering, uh, I could do in human services. I have kind of a similar story to Ryan. I started off pre-dental, so I wanted to do something medical. But behind that, the whole goal was to do like service work with that and to I wanted to travel and um, do dental work for people who couldn't um, provide those services so I knew I had a heart for people and I was in the prerequisite courses for dentistry doing a ton of just volunteer service work and loving that and that was giving me so much life and my college courses for math and science and things were not giving me life and (laughs) I was talking to my mom about that and she goes, well, you know, honey, there's a whole profession dedicated to the volunteer projects that you're doing. And you could actually go and get a degree in that and actually maybe someday get paid. And I was like, really? <laughs> well, I want to be doing that. I feel like I fell into it in a lot of ways. I don't think I've ever met someone in social work who is from like day one, like, yeah, I was going to be a social worker since I was a kid, you know, kind of a thing. But I think it's a combination of a lot of personal stuff, you know, in my family. And I really fell like super hard for this concept of resilience and what that looks like in people and how do we cultivate that? And what does that mean? And how can I be a part of that? And that looks so many different ways, you know, for people. And so I knew I always wanted to work with kids on some level. And so I thought, oh, I'll probably be, you know, a teacher or maybe a nurse or something like that. And so I got a psych degree in undergrad and started working with kids at different psych facilities. Um, And I think that what became super glaring super quickly is that psych focuses a lot on individual, you know, deficiencies, 
abnormalities that are psych related and it didn't focus so much on what is the bigger picture here what is the story what are these systemic issues that are impacting kids and we start talking to a kiddo for about 10 minutes and you can hear a lot about where they come from and what they've been through and what that impact has on them and their behavior and why they end up in places that they do and I was like I want to be a part of that and I want to make some of these decisions um, and hopefully affect some change. I think something really special about being a social worker is that you're working in community with all the other social workers in the world. Like it's a, it's a shared identity. It's hopefully I'm not making it sound like a cult, but um, <laughs> it's it's something that we all you know follow the same code of ethics, and we have the kind of the the golden questions of social work and. It's something that I think is really satisfying to know that the work that we're doing, you know, you only have one lifetime to try and get it done, but there will be a next generation of social workers who have the same commitment to social justice and serving the most vulnerable and trying to, you know, raise disenfranchised communities out of poverty. And the work is never done and we can always do it better and there will be people coming after us. A lot of people think of social work, and on days for sure I do, as kind of a thankless thing where you don't really see the full product of what you're doing, and it's it's the long game. It's the marathon of what you see. And I mean, super small example, but I have a kiddo on my caseload, and when I first met her, she was pretty indiscriminate with any adult and just overly friendly and had no boundaries whatsoever, and it was very cute but very concerning, you know, at the same time. And it's just been slow moving over the past six months, and every time... I see her, there's a little bit more of an awareness. There's, can I have a hug? You know, and she'll pause and wait for me. She's like, wait, you need to knock at my door before you enter my room, you know, and all these things. And she's getting empowered to have her own autonomy over herself. And she's just a little person, you know, she's from watching that much growth. And that doesn't get documented, you know, in her case necessarily. That's not something that is going to be a part of big picture decisions for her. That is the cool stuff for me, and that's something I get to see on a regular basis, even if no one else sees that type of stuff. And maybe I had some something to do with that in coaching her family of how to work with her. For me, I think what drives me is just being able to connect on a human level with so many people and people from so many different backgrounds, so many different stories than than my own story, being able to enter, like, very like, preciously into other people's stories and and learn about others and in that I'm able to show people love and often these are long-term relationships or like you're showing that over a long period of time and in little ways so that people really receive this message that maybe they haven't seen ever in their life or for a long time in their life and this can be many different um, groups of people who might be experiencing that in different moments. Foster parents feel those feelings. Children feel those feelings. Um, parents who are um, a part of the system feel those feelings. And that's kind of what I'm looking to do in all of those moments is to just give that unconditional love and grace and attention to people. And to be able to do that in all these different ways while I'm working is, is impact. It makes a huge impact on me in my in my heart. So something special about social work and especially Amara's role in working with kids in foster care is that, you know, a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a five-year-old or even a six, seven, eight-year-old, they're probably not going to remember my name or who I was as, you know, a social worker and 
they're not gonna, you know, know what city I'm from or like maybe the name of the agency that I worked with, but they will remember the the way they felt when they interacted with me. And they'll remember the way, they'll definitely remember the way they felt when they were in foster care. And if there's anything about who I am as a person or as a social worker that's working for Amara that can make that kid's experience in foster care be a bit like a little bit less traumatic that's what motivates me to keep being better at what I do and to you know to keep doing that job because I don't necessarily want that kid to remember me Ryan the social worker uh, but I want them to remember feeling loved and cared for in their home and to kind of walk with their foster parents uh, to help them create that environment. I'm going to jump in here real quick and just explain a few terms that you're going to hear in this next section. Kristen refers to a child's first family. The term first family is frequently used in foster care and adoption and refers to a child's family of origin. Many people prefer it to the older term birth family, which gives the impression that the family did nothing more than give birth to the child. For many youth who are adopted and virtually all in foster care, their first family parented them for months, even years, and many continue to have active relationships. As an adoptive mom myself, this is the term I use when referring to my son's family of origin. You'll also hear some references to DCYF and the department. DCYF stands for the Washington State Department of Children, Youth, and Families. DCYF was created to be a comprehensive agency exclusively dedicated to the social, emotional, and physical well-being of children, youth, and families. The last acronym I want to quickly explain is FTDM, which stands for Family Team Decision-Making Meetings. FTDMs are held to discuss placement-related decisions for children in foster care. And now we'll get back to our foster care specialists. I've recently had a few experiences with first families where the way that my foster family, and they're not mine, but (laughs) Amara's foster family, is interacting with them is having a significant impact on how they're experiencing the system in foster care. And I was recently at an FTDM and the foster parent was participating by phone, but the relationship was palpable in the room between the first family and this foster family. And it was nothing but building up the first parent about all the work that they have done and emphasizing the intensity of the relationship that they have with their kiddo. And you, I mean, it was emotional and the first parent was very emotional and That is something that I keep hearing over and over on this case in particular. It's so beautiful to see. It's so unique to see. And it kind of, it's it's great to be a part of Amara's movement, but it almost is like, why is that so unique? You know, why is that so, I mean, all these other players at the table are just mind blown, you know, by this relationship. And so that's the part of what Amara is trying to do and aiming to do that I am really excited about and lucky to be a part of and hopefully to build it more and more with more of my families that I work with. So I've been working at Amara for six years, and I think one thing that Amara does really well and continues to strive for is collaboration with all parties, which is the child, the parent, and the foster parent 
for the well-being of this child. And one of the things that I hear over and over again is, how is that child experiencing this? What are, what are we asking this child to do? Um, can we keep the child at the center of the conversation? And we can't keep the child at the center of the conversation unless we're involving both their parent and the foster parent in the discussion while they're in care to talk about what is this child experiencing Part of them is their parent. This is where they come from. And then the foster parent who's caring for them, who's helping to meet their needs in their home at that moment. So we're really aiming to have those people connect, talk, and partner with one another. Something really special about the foster families that we work with at Amara is that, um, which makes my job as a social worker really great, is that uh, a lot of the times DCYF case managers will comment on like wow this case is so different than all the other cases that I'm working on and you know that's really significant considering that a DCYF social worker might be carrying anywhere from you know 20 to 40 cases at any given time and that's a lot of kids and that's a lot of kids placed in a lot of different foster homes and it's that much more significant to me that um, the way we prepare our foster families and kind of steward that relationship ongoing is something that's really unique and it does require such a high level of attention and care and continuing education on our part as social workers Uh, and I think it's just a really great example of what it looks like when your development as an employee is really supported um, because that's how you get the best results for families. My husband and I were foster parents for five years with Amara. While the world of foster care can seem like a big, bureaucratic black hole of laws and requirements, we never felt alone in the process. At Amara, we had a professional who had been through these processes and filed the mountains of paperwork many times and could explain what was happening. We had an advocate who helped us navigate the complex legal legal aspects. We had a therapist to listen to us as we processed and worked through our own personal feelings around foster care and adoption. We had a friend who understood our family dynamic and shared our joy with each milestone and helped us hold the uncertainty of our future. This Wonder Woman, the professional advocate therapist friend, was our family's foster care specialist at Amara. Soon after we applied to Amara, we were matched with Marika, which turned out to be the start of a five-year relationship. She guided us through the home study, helped us process a lightning-quick placement of a six-month-old girl that ended with her returning home. She supported us when a little 18-month-old boy dropped into our lives and walked with us through his placement. She stood up with us in court the day we adopted him, And a year later, when trauma from his past resulted in behavior that threw us for a loop, she was my first phone call. One key aspect of our relationship with Marika was the length. At Amara, you have the same social worker throughout the process. They help with each step and get to know you and your family in a real and meaningful way. While this is amazing for the families who work with Amara, it demands an even more specialized skill set from the social workers. They do not focus on one part of the process. They don't just crank out home studies or only make home visits. They must be knowledgeable and supportive during the entire process, start to finish. And there are no straight lines in foster care. 
no clear paths or expected outcomes. They must roll with the changes and give foster families the strength and knowledge to do the same. Living with uncertainty is part of what it means to be a foster parent. You love the child in your home while also holding the knowledge that they might not stay. That in fact, more often than not, staying is not what's best for them. It takes a special type of love, the ability to hold things loosely, and a lot of support. The social workers at Amara provide a critical pillar of that triad. They hold up the foster parents so they can, in turn, hold up the children in their home. We closed our license four years ago. Yesterday, I saw Marika at an event and we immediately gave each other a big hug and started talking about our families. I will always feel connected with her. She was witness to the forming of our family and was the very first person to meet that little boy who became our son. Amara is an incredible agency doing wonderful work in the community, and the social workers are the heart and soul. They are the connection and the support, and the reason foster parents are able to do the hard work of caring for children. Thank you once again to Ryan, Kristen, and Jennifer for taking the time to talk to us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Amara podcast, and we'll see you next time. 